1: This is No BS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 1,448. I'm your host, Jeff Altman, The Big Game Hunter, and welcome! And on Sundays this year, I've been continuing a theme of playing back some of my older interviews from Job Search Radio, my other show that I discontinued at the beginning of April. And... This is an interview that I did about finding the hidden job market, ways to connect with it and, in effect, get more interviews. It was recorded in 2014, when I was still doing recording over phone lines. So the nature of this or the sound, I should say, of the interview isn't quite as clean as things are now. Hope you find it helpful, and tomorrow I'm back with a a normal-length show, which is somewhere between five and ten minutes usually, that I am sure will be helpful to you. Now, let's get going, okay?
2: And I remember years ago getting a call from an old client of mine who had been fired from his job in the aftermath of the uh, horrible episode of 9-11. He'd been out of work for three months. He finally remembered to call me. He had sent out close to a 1,000 resumes to ads he had seen on job boards with no success whatsoever. And although I didn't have a client that was interested with him, I spent some time talking with him about what he could be doing differently in order to find work. And that was really to tap into the hidden job market, the market that was really hidden to him at that point um, because it just wasn't going to have positions advertised on job boards. And within three weeks, he was able to find his next job. My guest for this show is Jessica Hernandez, president and CEO of Great Resumes Fast, and Jessica, thank you so much for making time today. Great to have you on board.
0: Thank you for having me.
2: My pleasure. So, how is it that so many people get fooled into focusing their job search almost exclusively on job boards and neglecting the the area that they really should be spending most of their time with?
0: I think it is really simple. It's just the appeal of knowing that there's an opening. When you go to a job board, you see the opening, you see the job, you know that it's there, you know that you're actually applying to something that's open and that's available, and I think that's how people get sucked in. With the hidden job market, um, it's just exactly what it is. They don't see the position. They don't know that it's there, and so they have this apprehension or they don't even know about the hidden job market. But with the job boards, they see it. They think that it, you know, it's real. It's there, and so they just get sucked into applying to them.
2: And I think he answered um, what my next question would have been very well by saying, "What is the hidden job market?" Answer: a position that's open that's not necessarily one that's obviously open, uh, one that is, you know, a little bit hidden away from eye of sight, but still. Uh, firms are trying to fill positions they're not advertising them and it may also be the kind of role where firms aren't necessarily trying to fill something but someone with a superior talent arrives and suddenly their ears perk up and they become interested in filling a projected opening uh, or something that they can create for this person and their talents is that how you would see the hidden market
0: yeah, that's exactly how I see it a lot of times it's positions that only the decision the decision maker knows about and no one else knows that it's even open not even HR as soon as it hits LinkedIn or someone mentions something um, to someone else within the company or outside the company it's no longer hidden word travels fast
2: does it ever especially in these days so Uh, I'm a job hunter. I'm thinking of of spending some time digging into this hidden job market thing I've heard so much about. Where do I start? How do I start doing the prowling necessary to uncover some of the the hidden jewels?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. One of the most successful ways... Uh, that I've seen my clients do it is through the use of a value proposition letter. It has um, proven very successful for my clients, and there's actually studies out there that prove that uh, you could have 85% success securing a position in 90 days or less if you use an executive um, value proposition letter in your job search.
2: And what is a value proposition letter? Because this may not be a term that a lot of my listeners have heard before.
0: Sure. It is a brief and very persuasive account of what you accomplish. It's not about what you do. It is concise. It's worded in metrics, dollars, percentages, and it's mailed to a decision maker, not to HR. Your resume is not included. We actually, uh, the ones that we write for our clients are 150 words or less. They are very to the point, and they answer questions like, why should that decision-maker invest their time in talking to you? Uh, why you offer value to their company? What's in it for them? And what makes you so special? Those are the types of questions that we answer on a value proposition letter.
2: I, I love that 150 words or less. It's like the Twitter of cover letters. You know, very short, to the point, communicating, you know, very specific great information. So what I know you said a couple of things that should go into uh, a value proposition letter. Uh, Could you, from the top of your head, uh, give an example of what a value proposition letter might sound like for someone?
0: Sure. Here's a good example of um, one that I did seeking out some executive level clients recently, and it'll give everyone a really um, good idea of what I'm talking about with conciseness. I start off with a question. I say, "Are you looking for a hundred thousand to a one million plus position?" Well, as the president of Great Resumes Fast, my team and I have helped thousands of executives secure interviews with our value proposition letters, executive resumes, and LinkedIn profile development services. Here are some of our results. Then I give three very quick, metric-driven bullet points. We have a 99.6% interview success rate. We've shortened job searches from nine plus months to three months or less. And we can secure interviews for some of our clients in two weeks or less. So I'm using metrics to support the results that I've achieved. And a job seeker would do the exact same thing. They would ask a question that is a need that the company has, and then they would give three points to validate or make their case for how they can meet that need.
2: Very clever. And and thus, that opening statement or question that you had, does that become the subject line of the email that's being sent? I'm trying to be specific so my audience knows exactly what to do.
0: Sure. If you're doing it in an email, absolutely it could be the subject line. We recommend that you direct mail them, that you actually find the decision maker's name and their mailing address and you actually mail a copy of the letter to them.
2: Fascinating, there is a thing called mailing these days. My goodness, i'd forgotten all about that, and I'm not trying to be facetious, you know, judging by my inbox i'm getting you know four hundred emails a day and next to no resumes or value proposition letters sent to me uh, by u s mail so it's good to hear that. Uh, there are techniques that are still effective that don't involve email. So, it's mail this to them. What sort of paper is it? Like in the old days, where you have the matching envelope and paper, um, you know, that sent to someone, or do you recommend something different?
0: No, here's something that's really fun. We do it on really nice uh, cardstock paper. So if you went to your Office Depot or your Office Max and you got their fine linen resume paper and the matching envelopes, yes. But here's the cool thing. Instead of printing out the address, you know you want to look really professional, right? So we think, okay, we're going to um, print out the address on the envelopes. We're going to send it. It's going to be a really professional presentation. That's great, but that is seen as spam. And they just chunk it right in the garbage or they pass it on to HR. Hand address your envelope to the decision maker with their name on it. Curiosity is going to get the better of them, and they're going to open it because they're going to want to know, well, who hand wrote this letter to me? Because nowadays no one does that. And so they'll think it's a thank you letter or some kind of personal communication, and then you've got their interest and you've got their curiosity peaked.
2: My goodness, uh, and I—I—I I, I, I went my goodness because I know I'd be at a tremendous disadvantage in handwriting letters. As hard as I try, my handwriting is just atrocious. Um, so, we, should someone still do it and really try very, very hard uh, to write neatly? Is—is is that how you do it? Do you? Do you? use cursive or print? I'm, I'm, again, sorry for being this meticulous, but I'm actually thinking of myself here uh, of what I would do under those circumstances.
0: Well, I don't know that they're going to be judging you too much by um, your handwriting, but I would just try to write in the nicest handwriting that you can. I mean, certainly don't send it to a calligrapher or anything like that by any means, but, um, you know, there's something to be said for doing things different in the way that Everyone else isn't doing them. And it really piques their curiosity and catches their attention. So I would just write it out. And I don't think it matters whether you print it or you write it in cursive. I think, you know, just use your best handwriting, your best penmanship, and um, mail it off.
2: Thank you. And, folks, we'll be back with more from Jessica Hernandez in just a moment. But first, my job search insider tip for this show. And this is some advice about interviewing, which I think would be very helpful for a lot of you, particularly at a manager level and above. And the advice that I give you is there is a lot of great information and data that people can provide in the course of an interview. Metrics is the common thing that people refer to. But the thing that often isn't offered beyond the metrics are the insights that come from the metrics, the unique things that you learn from those experiences and how you deliver them to an organization. Don't just simply rely on numbers. Make sure that you're able to share the insights and tell the stories needed in order to really convey the texture of what the accomplishment was. Because otherwise, you will wind up sounding like a lot of other people walking into interviews. And, you know, that's not the thing that you want to do. You always want to differentiate yourself from your competition. I don't know of anyone who's ever arrived at an interview and said, you know, the impact of my work was a negative 14%. Now, it would have been negative 52% had I not been there. I got up to negative 14. That never happens. So always be prepared to talk about some of the insights and not just simply the data. So let's come back to Jessica Hernandez and let's continue our conversation about value proposition letters and tapping the hidden job market. So Jessica, we've now sent this letter out there and it, do we do people do follow-ups to, to value proposition letters or they just wait for the, the phone to ring at that point?
0: I think you could go either way. It's about the numbers, too. I mean, you're not just sending it to one company. Normally what you're going to do is uh, create a direct mail distribution list. You're going to have a targeted campaign of companies in your area that you're interested in working with. You're going to have done your research and you're going to be mailing out. Um, potentially hundreds of these letters to companies, depending on uh, what your job search goals are. So a lot of times what clients are doing is they're sending these out and then they're just sitting back and they're fielding the calls because the response rate from the letters is absolutely amazing. Um, There's this guy named uh, Mark who... He, runs, he did run JobBait.com. He's no longer around, but he writes a lot about value proposition letters, and he actually did studies with his clients who sent out the letters, and he had a 50% response rate they tracked. They did uh, user studies on every distribution for his clients, and these letters that were sent out had a 50% response rate. Now think, if you applied to jobs on job boards and had a 50% response rate, what that would be like. I mean, that's amazing. And one of the reasons why it's so successful I think is because it's personal to the decision maker and no one's doing it it's very uncommon I mean most people don't even know what a value proposition letter is never mind you know sending it snail mail to a decision maker so it really has a lot of value and the response rate is incredibly high
2: that is amazing so a handwritten letter 150 words or less that poses a question at the beginning and then talks about some of your achievements that you could bring to to an organization. That's fabulous. So you spoke about researching firms uh, that you might want to target uh, to receive such a letter. Any idea where someone could do that research to find those organizations other than just simply saying to themselves, gee, I'd really love to work for so-and-so. Is there something more specific that someone can do?
0: Absolutely. There's a lot of
2: great resources. It
0: depends on how large of a scale you want to do your distribution. It could be as simple as hopping on Google and looking up some companies in your area that would be hiring for the types of opportunities that you're interested in. Um, Some people already know specific companies that they're interested in working for. Uh, What I did several years ago, gosh, this was like 10 or 15 years ago, uh, when I was returning to work, was I looked up every... Staffing agency within a 30 mile radius of my house, and I mailed them a copy of my resume and cover letter. That was back before I knew what value proposition letters were. So I do, I just mailed them and hand addressed a copy of my resume and my cover letter, and received a tremendous response rate from that. And I only mailed out probably 40 or 50 of them. Um, so it could be as simple as that. Or if you're an executive and you're on the higher end, making you know 150, 200 plus 100. 200,000-plus a year, you could go through Dun & Bradstreet or InfoUSA, find a list of CEOs at companies in your industry that you're interested in working for, pull that list, and then you have 400, 1,000, 2,000, depending on what your parameters are, and you do a distribution that way.
2: Interesting. And at what level and above should someone target to receive that letter?
0: You mean as far as who the job seeker should send the letter to?
2: Right. Should it start at a director level, executive vice president level, C level? Where, where should the at what level of individual should someone target?
0: You want to target the person who would be responsible for hiring you. So you don't want to target HR unless you're in HR. And then you want to look for the HR manager or the HR director. If If you're a project manager, you want to target the person who would be responsible for hiring that. If you're C-level, CIO, CTO, CFO, you want to target the CEO. If you're the CEO, you want to target the board of directors. So it really just depends on where you are, but you want to go for the manager, the director, or the executive directly above your position
2: interesting so I, I'm thinking, for example, you know manager level contacting someone at a director level. Um, does that individual have the ability to help create budget, although with this we're recording this in October, uh, and this is a time of year where budgets are being finalized, uh, so this is a time of year where, yes, that person would have a lot of influence on budget, but I'm thinking also about. May, which is a time where budgets are already cast in stone, could that person really affect the budget change, or should they? Should a manager level go further up the food chain in order to uh, you know, get entree?
0: Well, I think that this is an optimal time in October, obviously, when people are doing budgets. For... Positions to be newly created, but I think also the appeal with the letter and its audience is that these are positions that are open through natural turnover or through um, you know vacancies, just new positions being created, whatever the case may be. And you're getting to them before they're ever brought out into the light, before anyone else ever sees about them. So the only person that would know would be the person that's directly responsible for hiring for that position. They would know if someone was quitting, or if they were letting someone go and they were going to need to replace, or someone was retiring. Those are things that that decision maker would know, and that's who you want to reach, because they would be taking it to the HR person saying, I want to interview this person. Or they would be picking up the phone and calling the person saying, I'd like to know a little bit more about what you can do for my company. Let's set up a time to talk.
2: Nice. Thank you. I appreciate you being that explicit, because I just want to make sure the audience gets the best information they can. So beyond value proposition letters, are there other techniques that you recommend people deploy in order to tap into the hidden market?
0: Absolutely. There's a lot of different methods. There's informational interviews. There's uh, obviously networking using LinkedIn. Um, There's cold calling on employers. There's all different kinds of methods that or that job seekers can use that they don't even realize are out there and available to them.
2: So let's, let's talk about the one that I'm sure no one wants to, to listen to because it's probably the one I think may be the most valuable and that's the cold calling one. Yeah. So if that's okay with you, let, let's dig in a little bit further about cold calling. So in making a cold call, I'm going to assume that you're doing the same thing as a value proposition letter, targeting the person above you who would have the authority to hire you. Am I correct about that?
0: Yes, and there's a couple of different ways that cold calling can work. You can do it in person or you can do it over the phone.
2: In person, my goodness, that's a term I haven't heard in a long time. So let, let's dig in further with that one. What might someone do in person in the way of a, quote, cold call? Arrive I at not door what you're doing.
0: <laughs> yes, that's exactly what you do. Just like if you think about people who go around and do door-to-door sales, um, it's sort of like that in the sense that you're targeting the company or the organization that you want to work for, and you are stopping in to make connections with that company. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's not as effective as sending out a value proposition letter, but it can also get you contacts that you may not have had otherwise. And a lot of it depends on where you're located, the types of companies that you're targeting, and how big the company is, because if it's a really large corporation, the chances are you're going to meet a secretary at the door. But if you're not targeting you know, a Fortune 50 company and you're targeting a smaller local business um, or even a regional business, you might be able to walk into that business and speak to a manager or speak to a business owner and open doors that way.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, As someone who lived in New York for many years and worked in New York for many years, the idea of stopping by a business in New York, you never get past security, especially in the post-9-11 era. You're stopped at security. Uh, Does she know that... That you're here to see her would be the next question when you say no uh, what is this in reference to Uh, I can have something delivered to her and you're escorted out the door but you're right a smaller to mid-sized business it can be a great tactic for uh, because they can see how well you look Uh, you obviously need to be prepared to have that conversation in more depth about what what you want to do what you're capable of doing and before I get presumptuous when someone comes out to greet you what do you say to them <laughs> I think I know what I would say but what would you recommend that a job hunter say when someone actually does come out and greet them
0: well you want to have your elevator speech ready I mean you want to it you want it to be conversational I mean I, I wouldn't make it super formal um, but you want to make that connection and you want to say you know hi my name is James Smith and this is what I do and I'm just Stopping by to see if, um, you know, what I do and the value that I offer, what I've done previously would be of any benefit to you and your company if you have any openings. Um, Or if you want to go an informational route and you don't want to just drop in and ask about job openings, you could say, you know, I'm in this industry and this is the type of work that I do and I see that you do it. And I was wondering if I could just have five minutes of your time to ask you some questions about um, your success in the industry and what you feel makes someone successful in this industry. I'm trying to gather information for my career and for my next career move and where I want to go now, and I just really admire your organization and what you've done here, and I'd like to take a few minutes to discuss it with you. Most people have no problem sharing their opinion or their advice when they're asked. So you may want to take that approach if that's more comfortable for you than just coming out and saying, you know, hi, I'm so-and-so, this is what I do, I'm looking for a job, do you have anything?
2: And that approach also works, and it's the first approach, not the, hey, I'm looking for a job approach uh, that can work so well in a phone phone call of, you know, where someone's getting on the phone, calling the appropriate level individual. Even if you're leaving voicemail, which I always encourage people to do, leave the voicemail because obviously if you don't leave a message, you'll never get a call back. If you do, hey, 5%, 10%, 20% uh, probability of getting a call back, but that's better than zero. Now, I could see leaving that kind of a message for someone as being very effective in getting a result and a response back. Um, and, even if, and even if you say something to the effect of, uh, can we schedule a few minutes of time uh, to speak about it, uh, You know, I could see that working. Dumb question, it just popped into my mind. With the pervasiveness of Outlook uh, and the ability to do calendar scheduling through Outlook, would you suggest that people try to send an Outlook invitation with an explicit description about what the purpose of the conversation would be? Or do you think that's just way too presumptuous?
0: You mean prior to having something scheduled
2: and try to reach out yeah prior prior to having something scheduled like uh like the a version of a, a version of a cold email and just doing in the fir- the version of an outlook calendar invite uh, with a clear explanation about what this is in reference to uh, so it can either be accepted or rejected right then and there.
0: I don't think I have ever heard that strategy um. I think as a hiring manager, I don't know that I would do that. I think that if you're going to reach out to someone via email on like a cold call type deal, I would do it via LinkedIn. This is how I've had people do it with me in the past. I've had people that are very new to the resume writing industry, and they'll reach out to me and they'll say, you know, hey, I've just started in the industry, and it seems like you're so successful or I've admired your work for X number of time, and I was wondering if you wouldn't mind speaking with me for five or ten minutes about how you got started in the industry, or if you wouldn't mind answering a couple of my questions via email about, you know, your experience with the industry. So I would maybe take that route. If you want to reach out to somebody via email that you've never spoken to before and ask a couple of questions, I would do it that way. I wouldn't just assume that they're going to answer your questions. I would ask permission, and I would go that route instead.
2: Thank you. It just popped into my mind as a possibility. I haven't heard of anyone try it either, but... I expect someone will try it, and if you do, folks, uh, send a message back to me at Jeff Altman at thebiggamehunter.us. Tell me how the strategy worked. I'd be curious about it. Again, not advocating. I've never used it myself to try and schedule an appointment, nor do I know of anyone who has. But it popped into my mind as a possibility. Tell me your results if if you try it. Okay. And again, now coming back to you, Jessica, uh, and I agree with you about the LinkedIn strategy being a nice way or or more courteous way of reaching out to someone uh, for that first conversation. It's so easy to find people on LinkedIn these days. Mm -hmm. So we we don't have a lot of time left in in our half hour with one another. Do you have one more big piece of advice that you'd like to share with my audience?
0: Sure. Sure. Going off of the LinkedIn strategy that we were just talking about a few minutes ago, reaching out to people, I've had people tell me in the past that this is something that they've done that's worked really well for them, and they've reached out to people on LinkedIn that they're either connected to or want to be connected to, who work for companies that they're interested in working for. And they'll reach out and say, hi, I see that you worked for XYZ Company, or you used to work for XYZ Company. I'm very interested in working for them. Could you tell me a little bit about their culture and what it's like, or if you enjoyed working there. And it's a great way to get contacts, because if they don't work there anymore, they'll say, oh, I don't work there anymore, but you know who you should talk to is so-and-so, and and they still work there. So then you have a name, and you call them, and you say, or you send them a message on LinkedIn, and you say, so-and-so said I should talk to you about opportunities with your organization. I'm wondering what the culture is like there. I'm interested. Is there any information maybe that you wouldn't mind sharing with me? And it's a great way to get names and contacts um, in industry or within a certain company that you're interested in working for. It's worked really well for a couple of clients of mine.
1: So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, here are a few more ways to get more from me. First of all, visit my website, which is TheBigGameHunter.us. I have more than 6,000 blog posts there that you can watch, listen to, or read that will help you find your next job. If you want the best of my advice, join JobSearchCoachingHQ.com where I've curated information with a focus on interviewing. If you decide to take the lifetime membership at the site, It's $299 currently, but that's the price of a coaching session or an hour of coaching from me and I'll be giving that to you if you join with a lifetime membership. Have a few questions? Contact me through the Magnify app for iOS or PrestoExperts.com where you can call me. Schedule a specific time with me through chat on Magnify or by connecting with me You can take my classes on Skillshare and become a premium member using the link in the show notes and receive two months for free instead of just the one that the site offers. Skillshare offers thousands and thousands of courses, not just simply mine, on a host of different subjects that can help you in many different ways. Lastly, join my group on Facebook called Career Angles.